do the song again. Why is this the test again? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's our <laughs> new theme tune by a Jim Vincent. I hope you like it. Um, we got sued for the other one, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, as you guessed it, we've been joined by someone this week. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Jim. I'm Libby's partner, fiancé. We've heard of you. Oh. <laughs> he's been doing stuff consistently. Uh, yeah, he's one of those guys that like actually follows through. Like, what? He's yeah. A, he's a complete finisher. He uh, plays guitar. He'll, he will learn how to play a song, practice it until he's good at it, and then he can do it. Amazing. Just by practicing. But you mean like putting an effort and actually giving it a go? And trying yeah, hard. and then consistently doing it and learning. Oh. Actually, he was saying over dinner, which was delicious, by the way, that um, to, to get good at something, you have to put in a lot of effort and a lot of work. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. This week, I got a new wine rack and I have yeah. sorted the wines by wine to share with friends, wine to share with good friends and wine not to share with anyone at all. And what's this one from? Um, this is... This is just friends. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two rows on our wine rack. The rest is all Tom's wine. Um, because you don't want to open one of these. What's in your rows? Like Buckfast? Like what like I brought this evening, just like a regular wine. Um, Tom's would be like a hundred pound bottle of... A hundred pounds on a bottle of wine? Yeah. You can get a hand job for that. I think you can get a hand job for cheaper than that. I mean, but you'd want a good one i don't know is there <laughs> is a hand job basically a hand job is there grades of quality i don't know i've never had to pay for these things let's ask jim jim <laughs> you've worked on an oil rig <laughs> yeah how does this work well i mean <laughs> i've had hand jobs from the very best as you can imagine <laughs> thank you i don't he wasn't I don't know why you're thanking you when you... <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't looking at you when you said that <laughs> This week, we are going to talk about quitting the language of quitting. Yes, can't wait to discuss that. Uh, and we have our guest, Jim. My partner, Jim, who I have mentioned before. Say hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. Ah, see what he did there. Dad joke. Yeah. Engineer joke. Yeah, dad joke. <laughs> I mean, any of those unfunny professions. <laughs> you can tell you an engineer oil rig joke if you want one. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. It's the barrel one. <laughs> all right tell the barrel joke i love the barrel joke this might get edited out <laughs> it takes the pressure off depends on how you tell it <laughs> okay so it's a guy's first day on an oil rig and he's being shown around and um uh, he sees everything he sees the gym canteen there's a uh, tv room um and uh he's he says to the guy showing him around, like, well, everything looks pretty good, but um, notice there aren't there aren't any women around, and uh, the the guy's like, well, I I know what you I know what you're asking me about there. Let me let me show you something. Um, takes him down into the the belly of the rig and shows him there's a barrel with a hole in it. And he goes, yeah, we we uh, we use that when we're uh, getting a bit lonely. Uh, <laughs> do you want to go on it now? And he goes, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, he goes, I'll, I'll give you 20 minutes. Um, so off he goes and, and he comes out. And he goes, that was amazing. 
that was actually really good. That was just a barrel with a hole in it. It was amazing. Um, the guy says, well, you can use that anytime you want, apart from Thursdays between 2 and 3 o'clock. He goes, well, why can't I use it then? He goes, well, that's your turn to be in the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll find that homophobic. <laughs> 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 you laughed at him. Ah, I think that's quite offensive. <laughs> Most good jokes are the best jokes are offensive. They're on the line, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Um, offensive and funny. Yeah, when you laugh, but you're not sure whether you should be or not. So yeah, so we've reached the stage of being the same length as a good BBC drama. Six episodes. Isn't that crazy? The, well, this is number six. This is the sixth this is, episode. I, mean, I don't think you'd get episode. that far. Thanks, Jim. In our very first episode, so we have been talking about giving up on stuff and what faddy fucks we are and how sometimes when we start new things, people already assume that we're going to give up on them. And the podcast was one of those things. And Jim, my partner, who's here with us this evening, was one of those people that didn't think we would do it. Mm. What did you think would happen when we started podcasting, Jim? Well, I'm generally unsupportive of your endeavours, as you know. Um, so I kind of figured this one was was no different. Um, so uh... it feels like that got really comfortable really quickly. Oh. I mean, you're supportive, but you come across as like surface level supportive. Like, yeah, get bees, sure. <laughs> oh my god, did you also want to start a bee hotel? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh god, this is. Can we do one here? Yes, we can do bees here. Oh I really want to do bees here. And then Jim said, you can't do bees because Why? you'll get bored of bees and then the bees will swarm and they'll like kill a child. And think of all the honey we could get and all of the environment we could save yeah. by bees. Do you know how many like crops need bees? Yes. So, yeah. Did you know that at Waitrose Garden you get a discount if you buy pollen-friendly plants? Because that's the type of company Waitrose is. What's a pollen-friendly plant? Something that a bee will like. Don't bees like all plants? No, because they need to have flowers and stuff. So a flowering plant. You get a discount on Waitrose with plants that have flowers on. Yeah, but they say, like, friendly for pollinators. and then. Yeah. I mean, you work in marketing. You know what that is. I swallowed that. <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm like... <laughs> I had to buy all of these flowering plants because it's saving the world. Yeah. So we don't have a single evergreen plant. In winter, our garden will look terrible. Uh, you were doing some gardening work this weekend. I was. That's what I'm excited about this week, I think. Not only were we doing gardening work, we are planning to actually... I think I can call this landscaping. Now, I know our, <laughs> our garden is small, um, but there's nothing wrong with a small but perfectly formed garden. Um, and so I think it's just the right size that Tom and I can pave it ourselves. I didn't do any gardening this weekend. I wanted to do a lot of gardening, but then it rained instead. I drilled through a water pipe. (laughs) Oh, well. So, episode six, we're really excited. So this is our podcast (laughs) that you thought you'd start. Um, And we were inspired by Emily Watnick because she had this TED Talk all about multi-potentialism. And we thought, that is us. That is us. We're not fatty fucks. We're multi-potentialites. We are. And what is multi-potentialism, Libby? It is having more than one true calling. So polymath is another word for it. Or people that are excel in different fields that are writers and engineers and mathematicians and politicians and aviators 
I mean, we're none of those. <laughs> no, we're not. But we do, we do get excited about things. And the whole point of being a multiple potentialite is that you take something from what you've learned and you apply it to the next thing that you get excited about. So True. it's not a waste. No. People keep saying that we start new things and we might not finish this. So this was a meta experiment to see whether we actually can stick at something. So how's this process been? Before we discuss quitting the language of quitting, how do you feel about the meta experiment? How do you feel about podcasting? When I look back at the time that we spent podcasting, I recognise that we were very quick to record and then get stuff up online. Like yeah. We were like, let's immediately do something and get it published. And that perhaps we didn't spend as much time planning in advance. And we've recorded and then published each episode as we went. So it's not like we built up six episodes and then no. released them all when we were sure what we were doing. We were just like, get it out! Yeah. Uh, there were times when I was doing multiple Instagram updates and I was making little fun quote things over pictures I put. And I was like, oh, fuck this. Yeah, I think we like went in it very, very gung-ho, which is amazing because it means that we now have a website and an Instagram page and six episodes, eight recorded episodes. Must we get the two that we didn't actually <laughs> upload. Um, but yeah, it did, it did start feeling a little bit like work. I realized that a couple of weeks ago when I was working for a full week and I was like, oh, when am I going to fit in my full-time job? You know, like it, it did take yeah. a lot more time. Yeah, it, it took a lot more time. And there was a learning curve that I wasn't ready for. I thought you just sit down and then you chat and then you just whack it on the internet. Listen to a lot of podcasts. I think that is what a lot of people do. We spent some time editing. Yeah. And as we went on with what we were doing, I found that some of the skills that I learned from it, I was excited about applying elsewhere. Yeah. And I sometimes became frustrated that I was continuing to podcast rather than... <gasps> doing something else what skills what what's the transfer so there was uh the editing process for the bevan episode took four hours and at the end of that i thought there are things that i wanted to do or wanted to commit to that i haven't ever found four hours to do so in particular specifically my writing yeah i can't think of the last time that i had sat down for four hours in an afternoon and written a draft of a short story but let's unpack that for a bit, because one of the things that um, I was kind of joking about at the beginning is at the end, we can write the quitter's guide to getting shit done. <laughs> because we did actually stick at it for longer than I thought we would in many ways and achieved a lot more. And I think it's partly that momentum, partly the accountability to each other. But I think there's also this weekly deadline of like Thursday morning, my mom's going to listen to the episode on the way to work. It needs to be there. Yeah. Personally. You know, there's this kind of in my head, there's there's an audience that's waiting for an episode to listen to. Um, whereas if you were writing, you don't have that deadline, you don't have that accountability, you don't have that momentum. No. So is there something you've learned that could maybe be applied to writing? The thing that I could apply most to writing is that when we have had long recordings and mm. a lot of it has not been relevant. Yeah. And then from the hours and hours of just shit, finding yeah. that little bit that was good. And I was like, when I sit down to write, I think what I write must be good. And I end up editing as I write rather than uh, I've heard it called show up and throw up. (laughs) So rather than just sitting down and putting everything out there and not worrying about the editing and not worrying about what I would do with this path or if it's the right thing to say at this time, just get it out there and then you can edit. You can cut bits out. You can reformat. You can move things around. So what I learned from what we were doing here is that Editing is where you find the 
the value in what you've done. You don't edit as you go. Yeah, and and what, what was nice about that kind of approach of just having a bit of a chat is that I think themes and content and stories emerge that probably wouldn't have happened if we worked out a script or sat down and edited ourselves as we went along. So when we talk about multi-potentialism and we talk about identifying the, the kind of golden thread that links all of your careers and all of your hobbies mm. and all of the things that externally look like you've just quit and given up and moved on to something else. Subjectively, there is a, th a thread that links all of those together. I think that leads us on quite nicely, actually, into the main topic of what we wanted to talk about today, which is why I quit the language of quitting. Um, so what were the themes that kind of really stood out for you, you know, in this process of editing and themes emerging? What did you learn about yourself and yourself as a multi-potentialite, but also yourself as a um, someone who gets excited about new things and has, I guess, frustrations about unfinished projects? I was surprised by how many I had when I started thinking yeah. about what we were going to talk about. When I started talking to other people, I was surprised mm. by the number of people who immediately identified with it. I mean, a lot of people didn't. They were like, what? Yeah. Just giving up on shit. Yeah. I mean, stick at stuff. But something like Bevan was a good example. There were some other people as well. And so there was a sense of it not just being me who gives mm. up on stuff. And that, that excitement of being involved in something and just putting it aside for a while mm. and then coming back to it. I realized how many things I had taken from those different periods of my life. So a lot of the stuff in Badge Empire I use in work or in personal projects. Um, university, I learned a lot of lessons about myself and what I need to remain engaged in, in, in a new project. Um, and also the how I changed as a person during that period. Yeah. Uh, so what I found most interesting is that opportunity to reflect uh, yeah. and to lose some of the guilt that I had felt until very recently about giving up on stuff. Yeah, there is so much guilt, isn't there? There's guilt about, um, partly not about finishing the things you started, but then even about not picking up the things that you've always wanted to do. Mm. And I think people also look at you a bit funny when, um, there, there are two things that happen. The one is when you talk about, oh, it's about quitting, kind of flippantly, people go, oh, it's like this bad word, like you can't talk about quitting or stopping. Like if you take something on, you've got to commit, you've got to see it through. And just like you got some people that we spoke to that really understood what we were talking about, I found there were also others that just couldn't wrap their heads around this. Like you make a commitment to do something and you follow it through. They just couldn't, you know, quitting is this really negative, bad word. Um, and I think it also just the sense of guilt of like, oh, have I now wasted time on that? I could have been writing in the four hours that I was editing. You know, there's always this yeah. other thing that you could have been doing instead. But even when we talk about quitting, we talk about giving up on something. Whereas what I see it much more as in the same way as when you edit a podcast, you find yeah. the bit that is useful and you drop the rest that isn't. Yeah. What was the sculpture guy called? Let's say it's Michelangelo. And he talked about the sculpture that was inside the rock yeah. and that he he just removed the unnecessary pieces of stone. It's very yeah, easy when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just need to remove the unnecessary yeah. pieces. And if you're doing that with editing a podcast or mm. editing your own fiction, or if you're doing that with your life, find the bits that are necessary mm. and that you enjoy, and then the rest of it just chip away. Yes, I agree. And I think the process has taught me, yeah, there's loads of stuff that I've done and it was a fun trip down memory lane. But I also feel like I left all of those things for a reason. There wasn't anything we spoke about that I was like, 
oh shit, I shouldn't have quit that or I should pick it up again. So we both looked back and we looked at the things that we quit and we, we feel positively about them. But what's interesting is Jim, my partner, is here now. Do you still see that when you look at the things that we pick up? I mean, more specifically me, you don't have to judge Richard. But... <laughs> It's so fun. <laughs> I mean, how frequently do I come up with new ideas and new stuff that I might do? Um, very, very frequently. I think the, the but the things that stick in my mind aren't usually the the most yeah the, yeah the best examples. The first one I thought of was Cardboard City. What what characterizes it is the level of enthusiasm that you show for it. And Cardboard City was quite early on in our relationship, so I think it was before I'd learned that this was going to hit a cliff edge. It wasn't like a tapering off of enthusiasm. It was 100 miles an hour, and then nothing. I built the little house, and then I just didn't didn't build anymore, because I thought, if I, bought, if I build lots of little houses... I'll maybe get something that's similar to something somebody else has done. But then what am I going to do with that? Put that on my wall? Like, a, am I going to have an art installation in our two-bed flat of a little cardboard city? Or am I going to do something else? But what is it that got you so excited? I thought it was magical and I imagined lots of stories in that little city. Yeah. Of people that lived in those little houses and the lives that they lived yeah. and the community that was in there. And then as I started to build the actual structure, I realised that I wasn't building the story or the community or the magic that I saw that somebody else had built. I was just building little houses. And my little houses wouldn't have that magic and community it and story would, in them. Because it's in your imagination. When yeah, but, then, imagination but you don't need the little houses to have that imagination. No. But it does make me think of a story my aunt was telling me at the weekend of a guy that went into the V&A and saw some intricate craft wood that brought him to tears was so beautiful that he then learned how to carve these things wow so yeah so people do get inspired to do there's things. the guy who copied all of the fat duck recipes without ever having been there so he read reviews and in fact jim you might know more about this than me do you know about that guy that yeah he had a uh, an online he had a blog big fat undertaking um <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he got invited to the restaurant in the end. He became uh, known to Eston Blumenthal, and he got invited to the Fat Duck for a free meal. That's a cool story. But then I, I guess actually, I'm I'm saying oh, I look at art and I wouldn't do it. I mean, when I listen to early well Beatles songs and things like that. I've I decided to learn the guitar off the basis of that. So. Do you think that having an end game is important when you start something? So you, when yeah. you start something, you stick at it. Is that because you know what complete looks like? It's sometimes asymptotic that I never actually quite get there. Um, I'm sorry, what now? Um, excuse me? <laughs> Baking soda? It's a, Wash uh, your mouth out, Jim. <laughs> so instead of using the language of quitting, what are we going to say? You're not a quitter. You're a... Pivoter. A pivoter. Uh, I think that when I learn something new, I try it, and then I find out the things that are interesting and I carry them on with me, so I pivot. So there is what looks like a sharp change in direction, but is not losing contact with the stuff that I've already done. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to use pivoting instead of quitting. What are you going to uh, say? Maybe instead of saying, oh, I've quit that, I'll say, like, I've pruned that out of my life. When have you previously used the language of quitting? Last week on this podcast. <laughs> 
Uh, to be honest, I don't ever really say I've quit something. I, I think quitting as a word is only something that we use on the website. I don't consider myself a quitter. Um, I've quit my job many times. Um, yeah, things don't, I don't quit them. They just kind of fade. They fizzle. They're unfinished. Yeah. Does it look like that from the outside, Jim? Would you say I'm a quitter? No, no. I mean, well, I don't. I, like like you're saying, Richard. I don't know what the definition of quitting actually is. Is it if you stop doing anything, then you've quit? Because you know, if that's true, we wouldn't. Nobody would get anywhere because you would choose one thing. You're like, well, that's what I'm going to do now until I'm 90 years old and I'm dead. I mean, you yeah. have to you have to stop at some point. And I do like the idea of identifying when you've got what you needed out of something and then move on from it now or identifying that you've gone off down the wrong path so cardboard city would be a good example of that i don't think you've got anything from that no it was boring it was hilarious and uh, <laughs> i got a lot of comedy out of it but um so maybe that's why you you, you hit that it just wall, wasn't as it? interesting as i thought it was going to be yeah, yeah, so why, why carry on with it? Because actually you're just taking on a project. Yeah, and projects have finite lifespans. Yeah, so we will start one bee hotel, and then when it comes time to split the hive... You can have some of my we, bees. We don't. But when that idea pops into your head that you want a bee hotel, <laughs> yeah. which is clearly nuts... Why is um, it nuts? <laughs> Everybody, like, like, bees, the environment needs bees... Yeah. Ecologically, they're a good idea. Absolutely. Um, you, you get, get loads honey. of honey. And honey never goes off. They found honey inside tombs in Egypt. So we could we could stockpile honey. And when um, there's a national honey shortage, we'll be kings. Now, having, <laughs> having a bee hotel in and of itself is not nuts. You having one is, is, is nuts. When that idea pops into your head, is it because you literally want the beehive... Is there an idea of keeping bees that you want to be associated with? A lot of the time, it's the outfit. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you the I outfit. I think you'll look fabulous in <laughs> the keeping outfit. Oh my God. Wouldn't be able to see an inch of you. It'd be fantastic to walk around in the outfit without any bees, just with all their neighbours seeing you. But then everyone think you're weird. Outfit. Whereas if you've got no, a bee like, hotel. No, they're the bees. Just run around the garden like, you're oh my God. You're a fraud. Yeah. Is that what it is? Any I think the bees any new hobby that has an outfit into radio show. I mean, I'm dressed. I'm dressed up right now. <laughs> I was going to compliment your earrings; they are amazing. Thanks. And the draping on your top, fabulous. Thanks. Yeah, so with the lesbian glasses, though. Yes. But they go very well with your lesbian hair. So. But <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, your hair looks fabulous as well. I went to the hairdresser last week and I said, I've got an interview for a digital agency. Can you make me look digital agency? And he was like, Yes. And I came One away Steve with Perkins haircut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, Oh, executive lesbian. Serving you executive realness. Yes. It looks fabulous. I love it. Thanks. So when I quit smoking the thing so i smoked a lot i smoked from when i was like 13 years old oh, i know that's a long time ago and i smoked a lot of cigarettes and it was such a fundamental aspect of my personality and when i quit i quit pretty quickly without much build up and without much issue if you were to write yourself as a character in a novel that character would smoke 
And when I thought about it like that, I was like, well, yeah, because smoking means so much more than just the act of it. It means, it means like a character in a novel that smokes is a rebel or a badass or doesn't care what you think or is a bad girl. There's, there's lots that adds into it. And then when, you, when I quit, when I quit, I rewrote that character. So I didn't just stop smoking. I rewrote the character as one that didn't smoke anymore. And it meant more changes than just not having any fags in my pocket. But I, I quit relatively easily compared to a lot of my peers. But did you have to do a lot of other changes in your life as well? Yeah. Yeah, I did. But I had to make that change from smoking as an integral part of my character to I am a non-smoker. I rewrote the character so that when I thought about smoking, it wasn't something that I did because I was a rebel. It was something that controlled me. And rebels aren't controlled. Rebels aren't the ones so that... So a way of rebelling was yeah. to stop smoking. The way of rebelling. So you retained your sense, your edge of rebelliousness, just had to reframe what that meant yeah. and how it was expressed. And <gasps> in exactly the same way as you would write a literary yeah. character. That's amazing. That's a really good way of kind of reframing your mind and kind of thinking about something from a different perspective so that you do something else. But it focuses on how flexible the sense of identity is or how flexible oh, my sense of identity was. Yeah. That smoking was so integral to who I was and then I just went, actually, it's not. The purpose of it... It doesn't define you. No. Yeah. What I found really interesting about the language of quitting and trying to get move away from that not not quit the language of quitting but move away from the language of quitting is how often i used it so when i became aware of talking about giving up on things or quitting things how often i applied it to myself and how often i applied it to other people so when we talk about giving up the language of quitting i didn't think it would be that big a deal but it is when you talk to other people about things they did, or even when you meet people and just passing conversation, be like, hey, how is that thing you told me you were doing? And you think it's a polite kind of, I yeah. remember something you told me. But you don't realise that, I mean, that's a landmine waiting to be trodden on to say, that thing that you said that you were going to do that you're not doing anymore, justify why you're not doing it to me anymore. Um, and it's difficult to get that balance between polite conversation i remember our last conversation and i am holding you to account for the thing that you said that you were going to yeah. do yeah and then not not wanting to hold people to account so you don't ask them and then you appear disinterested yeah so i'm what yeah. i've started doing is asking people what are you interested in right now and appreciating that that may vary and that people really engage with that kind of question and and not adding pressure because let's be honest like there's already so much pressure about being successful and what success means and where you should spend time and you have to look good, be healthy, eat healthy, spend enough time with your kids, do well in your career, da da da. Um, and then to have a hobby just adds to that pressure. So I like that substitute of, you know, how do you enjoy spending your time or yeah. you know, what have you been interested in lately or what's been going on? But I've now resolved never to ask somebody what they do because what what do I hope to gain from that? Why am I asking that question? Yeah. Part of what I wanted to do with this is talk to people that we don't know directly. So what I found really interesting and liberating about talking to you and when we go for like walks in the park is having that freedom to say, this is the thing that I'm excited about and I'm going to do it. And then we, we kind of know we won't do it. But it's 
it's okay. There's a solidarity in knowing that you're not the only person who tries something and then thinks, this isn't what I wanted to do, or this isn't why I expected it to be. And so, although I've been talking to you about these stories and these things that I've done or these places that I've been, what I really wanted to be doing was talking to other people who might have tried something and wanted to give it up but felt guilty about it i mean just fuck it like just if you don't want to do it anymore stop doing it nobody is gonna judge you for giving up like just try something different people are so concerned with their own lives they don't have as much energy for judging you as you think that they do so we've mentioned uh, a complete series a few times does that mean we are at the end of the series no we are not quitting we're not quitting what's happening we are going to have a little pause because what I have learned from podcasting is uh, the value of setting aside time for a personal project. Yeah. And when I was doing it with podcasting, I put it aside for you, Richard, because oh, I didn't want to let you down. I wanted you. to. But then I thought, well, why aren't I good enough? Why isn't my personal project where I'm not accountable to another person worth the same kind of investment? Surely it must be. What am I doing with that time? that I value your time more than I value mine. And so I'm going to I'm going to spend that time that I spent on this on something that I'm really interested in. And the skills I learned from editing, they kind of show up and throw up and and chip away the edges until you find the gold. I'm going to use that. I'm going to apply that to my writing and I'm really excited about that as well. Um I'm really keen to get involved. I've been doing loads of it recently. Uh and that and that's really what I want to focus on and I want to come back here and talk about that and talk about how I'm developing as a writer how I'm developing the skills that I've learned here and applied them elsewhere we I don't want to talk about quitting I want to talk about pausing because I'm excited to take what I've learned here onto something else so we are taking a wee break. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the six episodes we've had so far. Go to our website, nwotpodcast.com. Um, have a look around, add your comments, leave your thoughts. Um, if you enjoyed listening to us, then please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get the podcast. Um, and in the meanwhile, Libby and I are going to be getting excited about new projects. Yeah, it's just going to be a short break. I definitely want to come back to podcasting. I definitely want to share where we've been with yeah. our audience that we grew. Do I, Dare I tell them that we've been thinking about other themes as well? I mean, we definitely, we've been thinking about how we're going to pivot. We Yeah, we've got two pivoting ideas for seasons two and three. Um, should those happen? But themes that we really enjoyed from this one, stuff that we found was valuable and the feedback we got from people that listened that they really valued as well. So yeah, let's focus on those and move forward. But let's take a little bit of time to think about how we do that. Yeah, we'll think about how we do them. And in the meanwhile, join the conversation, tell your friends, leave reviews. Um, Yeah, you've been listening to NWOT, New Without Tags. (laughs) nwotpodcast.com and on all social media nwotpodcast bye bye